I just yeah. like, I saw that and I like had in my head, I was like, oh my God, she got picked up by like some crazy yeah, man no. that had just like murdered someone in the truck. <laughs> like I was, I and was how like, does I can't this tie ask. into the really, I was like, how is this dead body it tying into it our conversation about it relationships? <laughs> I got so confused. <laughs> but it says, ask me. And I was yeah. like, it's a cliffhanger. It's, I have yeah. to know. Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Finding Your Shine. Today, we are chatting about a topic that we've wanted to talk about legit for the entirety of this show. We just, I maintain that when we have a topic we want to talk about, rather than me like going and finding people or Nina going and finding people, we just put it out there and eventually the right people come to us. They find us. It's great. It <laughs> makes our job so easy. It does. So um, one of those people today is Veronica Grant. She is a love life coach. So we're talking all about relationships and the information in this episode is really great. You know, if you're someone that's in the dating world and you feel really overwhelmed by it or like you're just not succeeding at it, or you want to get clearer on what your values are in relationships, this episode's great for you. But there are also things to take away from an inner work perspective um, for people that are married or engaged or really long-term relationships. We're always working on growing ourselves and learning more about ourselves. And that always will impact whatever relationship we're in at the moment. So I think there's really something in here for everyone today. I would say that it's really related. I mean, even though you might have locked down, locked down, that sounds so like serious, <laughs> uh, locked down that person that you want to be with for the rest of your life. Maybe you're Got married. a ring on it. Yeah, you got a ring on that finger. You're like in a very serious relationship. There's a ring about to be on your finger. Uh, the concepts still are the same. You know, when you are struggling with your partner, you are probably struggling from things that are still unhealed within yourself or unhealed within them. So knowing what some of those signs might be and how you can start to address them is really important, whether you're still looking for somebody or you're in a committed relationship. Yeah. So a little bit about our guest, Veronica is a love life coach for smart, successful women that really feel like they have everything going for them in their lives, but really love is that kind of last component that they're working on feeling really good about. She has a podcast and lots of free resources on her website, veronicagrant.com. She does coaching. She shakes up how women find love, even in the world, which we know today is very um, interesting with the online dating scene, lots of Tinder, swiping left, swiping right. She really helps women navigate that and work with their inner child to heal themselves and show up for those that they're in relationships going forward. We were so glad to have her on the show and to address some of these things with the listeners because I know all of us are on different walks of life. So we hope that you find a lot of good information out of this conversation. But before we hop into this episode, 
We do want to remind all of you that we are active on Instagram. That's where we love connecting with you guys and sharing what we've been up to on our stories and um, uploading new episodes and all of that good stuff. So if you are on Instagram, find us at Finding Your Shine Podcast. And you can also find our personal pages where we're active on health coaching lives and financial coaching lives at at Nourished with Nina and at Liz Garster. Awesome. Well, let's get into talking love with Veronica Grant. All right, guys, we are back with a new episode. And today we are with Veronica, who is a love life coach. And this is a topic that Liz and I have not had on the podcast yet. So I'm really excited to dive into it. Um, from a couple different points of view, because number one, me and Liz have been in relationships for a very long time. So I feel like this is something that um, might be new for us just to learn about manifesting the man of your dreams, woman of your dreams. Um, And also I feel like I have quite a few friends who aren't married yet. And so I'm interested in having this conversation for them so that they can see where they're at and maybe learn some tips. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And would you just tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in this work? Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to to be here. Um, I mean, I, I, I assume you can probably relate that it's kind of a, a loop-de-loop road to <laughs> where I am today. Yeah. Um, but like a lot of life-type coaches, I started as a health coach because I was just... Um, well, I, I, was, I struggled with body image for a lot of my life, which does play out in you know this new realm of work. But I was... Um, you know, helping women feel better in their bodies and um, have a healthier relationship to it, a healthier relationship to food. And what I noticed is a lot of people were coming to me and saying, well, Veronica, I don't want to date until I lose some more weight, or I don't want to date when I feel like this, or when I look like this, or I want to lose weight so I can be able, so, so I can date, like as if like the weight was like literally the reason why they weren't allowed to or able to. And that just kept happening over and over again. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And I was working with a life slash business coach at the time. And she was like, um, hello, Veronica. <laughs> this is like hitting you upside the head. Mm-hmm. And when I got really clear on my story too and started healing things from my past, was when I realized that I wasn't obsessed with looking a certain way or having a certain body just for the sake of it. It was really that I got my sense of validation from men. And I thought that I could only get that if I looked a certain way. And and so when all of that kind of just came together, I was like, I think I need to change my business. And so I just did. Wow. <laughs> and, and so now I've been helping women um, really heal themselves in their relationship with men and themselves and women and you know whoever it is they want to call in into their life. And, and really, it's just about staying true and not losing yourself in the relationship or in the dating process. Um, you know, I have a lot of clients who um, are really smart and successful in all areas of their life and then relationships. It's like everything goes out the window. Um, and so it's really just about you being your own best inner guru and some healing has to take place in order for that to happen. So that's what I do in a nutshell, a big nutshell. <laughs> yeah. So what is some of that inner... Like when people start healing themselves, what does that process look like? Like what are the steps to take before that you have to work on internally before you can be open to 
to that relationship externally? Yeah. Yeah. So the place that I always start with women is what is referred to as inner child work. I don't know. I don't think I made that word up, but I mean, I didn't make up inner child work, but that phrase. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so basically what that means is, let's say, I mean, you can use this for whatever stage of relationship that you're in, but you're just feeling triggered, right? Like maybe nothing sticks or you're going on a bunch of one date wonders or you're really attached to this guy, but he's not really into you. Like whatever the situation is, it doesn't matter. All you do, I shouldn't say all you do, but where you start is you feel, okay, where have I felt like this before? Like, what is this really about? Um, what's the fear that's really underneath whether or not this guy will text me back or whether or not this relationship will pan out the way I want it to pan out? And then when you can get really clear on that belief, oh, I believe that love isn't conditional. You actually have to work in order to receive mm. love like, or something like that. Like maybe that's the underlying belief. And then you ask yourself, okay, when have I felt like this before? Or where did I learn this? Or what does this remind me of? Like some sort of questioning along that line. And then that's when you begin to connect it back really to childhood. Because ultimately as human beings, we want to feel like we belong. We want to feel love and we want to feel security. And so we learn how we receive those things and what those things mean in our lives when we're little like when we're kids and and we learned that from our parents or whoever raised you, whether or not it was your biological parents. And, And so a lot of that really just has... So once you can like ground in and zero in on like what one belief is or one thing that's holding you back or one feeling that you have, and you can connect it to something that happened when you're little or a belief that was instilled in you or just kind of like the way something was when you're little, then you can go back and you know do what I call inner child work, which is like talking to inner child, visiting her, mm. writing letters, and really beginning to shift her outlook and the way she perceived the situation so that she doesn't hold on to that belief. Because basically what's going on is like, if you're feeling really anxious about the texting or going on a date or feeling like no one likes you or no one wants to be with you or whatever, then you know the question I often ask my clients is like, how old are you acting right now? Like who's calling the shots? Is it like your 30-something self or or however old? Or is it your five-year-old self? And so if it's five-year-old self, then that's when you know there's still more healing to go back. And okay, why why did this belief come about? Like what happened or what was said or what wasn't said or whatever it is? Um, and how can we begin to shed that belief like from the inner child to the inner work? And that's really the only way, in my opinion at least, to shift how you actually show up differently. Like you can tell yourself, okay, I'm not going to text him. I'm not going to text him. Or I'm not going to mm-hmm. be sad. Or I'm not going to do this. But willpower doesn't really work because if willpower worked, then we'd have a lot less problems in our life. But, you know, we're humans. And so, um, you know, we're not, our life isn't perfect. And it's because we, you know, if willpower works, then we'd all be exercising as much as I wanted and like eating kale salads right. all the time and like nothing else. But that's just not what we're doing here. Um, and so what you have to change is the belief underneath. And I think going back and talking and, and really connecting with your inner child is like the best way and the fastest way to, to, sh- to shed those beliefs. Oh yeah. And everything you said, I feel like Liz, you were probably connecting to money beliefs and I was connecting to just anxiety in general and health things. Because when I, when I'm having an anxious moment, I always think to myself, like, where is this stemming from? And I know that there are key situations in my life when I was younger that has led me to feel anxious about certain situations. And I think one of the most effective things I've done 
is what you said, where I've meditated and I've imagined myself talking to this younger version of me. And what would I have said to my, this younger version of me when I was in one of those anxious, upset moments. And I've had meditations where, I mean, I like literally will cry because it it makes me sad that I was so worried at such a young age or that I felt Mm -hmm. such hurt at such a young age. And then to think of like, how as we get older, that hurt just grows and grows and grows and then manifests itself in different areas of our lives until all of a sudden, like you said, it could be manifesting itself in relationships or it could be in your finances or whatever area of your life that you're in. Totally. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because you're the common denominator. So how you relate to yourself or money or relationships or friendships, like your health, whatever. Right you know, you're the common denominator. So it's going to be very similar. Like what people discover when they work with me is that they're like, oh, I didn't have like a romantic relationship problem. I just had a relationship problem. And they realize they have to like shed their friendships and maybe shift around or some boundaries with family and, and stuff like that. And um, and it's, it's just, it's totally true. I mean, that's all. I just validating what, what, you're, what you're sharing. And sometimes it's not even going back to your inner child. It could be that woman who stayed in that relationship for five years and you're like mad at yourself for doing it or whatever. Then you can go back and like talk to her. And maybe she's only 20 years old or 25 years old. But when you hold on to that anger or that resentment or that, oh, I shouldn't have done that or so stupid or when you talk to yourself like that, then it just continues to hold you back. And so you can heal that way too with not having to go... Well, I do think it's necessary to go all the way back, but when you're then kind of digging deeper and peeling back individual beliefs or issues, then I mean, it might just be like that relationship that you can't let go of. And it's not because of him or the other person. It's because of like how you feel about yourself being in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, just because Nina and I haven't, like, we obviously have not been in the dating pool for, like, over a decade yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. It's um, crazy. What are some things, and and it's changed a lot. I mean, like, when we met our husbands, there was no Tinder. There was, like, the Do you ever feel like you missed out, Liz? Because sometimes— I wouldn't have I been realized, on Tinder. I, I do. Have. Sometimes I'm like, I wish I would have done, like— Tinder or whatever it's all called. Swipe left, swipe right. I was like, I met Cody before that all happened. I never had the experience. <laughs> Liz, you're like, no, thank well, you. Well, just like I wasn't the, I mean, don't take this the wrong way because I'm not trying to say you're the girl. So oh, look, where are pre- we going here? I was just going to say, I also wasn't the girl who like met guys in bars or like, that's not how I met people. So I feel yeah. like Tinder would have not been, I'm not I trying have- to be like, you're the girl that did, but I'm, you know, I just thought it was fun to like socialize and meet lots of people and like talk to lots of people. Yeah. Yeah, So I I feel like Tinder would have been like fun for me. (laughs) Yeah. I, so Tinder was out when I was dating, but it was still very much the hookup app. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like where you could actually meet someone on it. Mm -hmm. So I was never on Tinder. I was on Hinge for a little bit. And, um, what's the other one? Okay. Cupid. Oh, oh yeah. I remember. Bumble, Bumble, that, that was for friends, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's both for friends, and like oh. sometimes I try to go on and swipe, but then I just don't. So. <laughs> um, but what's changed? So here's like the thing, and I think obviously like the biggest change is online dating and the apps and everything. But I say that with a lot of hesitation because where people get really tripped up is how they relate to it. They say they just let 
oh, online dating has ruined dating or texting has ruined dating. And they can just go through a whole tailspin and get really, really anxious and create all these stories about themselves and men and relationships. And is it even possible to find anyone now with online dating? And and the truth is, is that like online dating is an amazing tool to meet so many people that you probably would have never met, right? Like historically throughout human existence, you pretty much married someone that probably went to your church or was a family friend or yeah. like that. And so obviously things began to expand as we just became more global people and started traveling more. And it wasn't just like, you know, marry when you're 20 or before you even leave your parents' house or whatever. And so online dating has just expanded that. So of course there is like the issue of paradox of choice, which is definitely real. But uh, what I think is more important to focus on is that online dating is just a way to meet people. It's not like the end-all be-all. It's not the only way to date. Um, And when you can see it as it's just a way to meet meet people and it's actually not that different from old school ways of meeting people, then it can really shift your relationship with it and it can just be fun, right? Like people get really bound in shape of like, this guy just be a pen pal. He's never asking about meeting up in real life or um, he sent me a dick pic or like whatever, <laughs> you know, all the things. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, there are creepy weirdos or non-committal guys online for sure, but they're at bars too and they're friends True. with your friends. And they're at meetup events and they're here and they're there. And so they can just hide a little bit easier behind the screen, I think. But like, I remember inappropriate things like much easier than they could to your face. Right. But I remember meeting some pretty like shady people, even in college, where you're like, wow, you seem like super cool. And then like we go back to the dorm room to watch a movie and you're like, you're a. Yeah. Like you are not what I expected. I remember a lot of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And so online dating isn't like where all of them hang out, right? Like they're like, you can go to a bar and, and you still, you look around the room and you're still swiping in your head. It's just, you know, Tinder is just made <laughs> That's that. That's interesting. Like, That's you true. know, there's just like an actual like physical man, but you're already doing that in your head. And so I just think that online dating is great. I have a lot of clients and friends who've met someone on Tinder or Bumble or like the shallow apps or whatever. And I think that it's not online dating that's the problem. It's this the relationship you have with it and the story you tell yourself with it. Like, yeah, you're going to have disappointment. Yeah, you're going to be frustrated. Yeah, there's going to be creepers, but they're everywhere. And it's not unique to online dating. And the more that you can just you know, get behind that story and then just focus on who is writing you back, who is fun, who does want to meet up and just like not even give any like two cents, like nothing to those other people, then then I think you're going to be fine. But if you start like, you know, I have a lot of people or a lot of women that feel like they have to like tell those guys that what they're doing is wrong or that it's bad or it's almost like it's like their job to be God or the police mm, or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's not. Like, also, you're allowed to be online and just want pen pals. You're allowed to be online and just want to hook up. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not like they're breaking any rules. It's just that they don't want what you want. And that's fine. So just like delete and move on. And it can just really be as simple as that. I love that you said you're already swiping in your head. And I think it's a good, that's a good point to make. Like when you go out, you're automatically like, nope, 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 nope. Hey, like that guy looks kind of <laughs> hot. Or you, like if somebody comes up to you and you're unimpressed, you know, if you're out at a bar, you're just like, not gonna, let's stay away from that guy. But I think yeah. you're right. And when it's online, it seems to be this more like, taboo, ooh, that creeper online. This is so annoying. Totally, da, da, da. Totally. But it is. Yeah. Just like real life. 
I think the swiping is way more realistic to what it's like and when you are just out naturally in the world meeting people because it's not like people are walking around the profile plastered to them. You know? yeah, yeah. And, and so when you're when you're on something like Match or OkCupid okay that where there's like a profile and you can actually like get information about people, honestly, 90% of what's on that profile is totally arbitrary and it does not matter. Most of that stuff will not make a difference as to whether or not you know there's long-term potential in the relationship. And so you kind of then begin to start dating from your head though, because you do have all this information. It's more of like you're analyzing, looking at resumes versus like just kind of going in your head, whether it's on Tinder or in real life and just swiping one way or the Mm -hmm. other, Um, which is going to be much more intuitive process, which is just a better place to be dating from anyways, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Is there like a secret sauce, which I'm sure like, I hate this right now, but like, (laughs) is there something like key characteristics of how two people interact with each other or how they meet or how they form a relationship that is indicative of how long the relationship will last or like if it's going to make it? Are there like signs you can tell up front usually? Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought about that explicitly, although it certainly has come up. I mean, first of all, what where a lot of people get tripped up is that if they meet someone or go on a couple of dates and it's not like, boom, like fireworks and just like everything, yeah. then they think that it's not the right person. Um, well, both me and Liz did not have those in our first relationship. I hated with my Zach husband and Cody. for a year. Right. We literally were supposed to, I remember you asking me to sit at a desk in between you and Zach in music theory class. Cause you're like, I need you to separate me because he likes me and I'm not about that right now. And then you guys had to convince me to even like give Cody a try. You're like, just give him a try. And now we've all, we've been married for a while. So, but I know, I think that's interesting. Like it, yeah. we all have that fairy tale, like fireworks. Sometimes that happens for people though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. And everything happens in between. Like, like I'm not really that into him to like love at first sight, whatever. Um, and everything in between. And so there's no right or wrong. Now, in terms of like healthy characteristics that would you know ensure a relationship, I mean, I think honestly, the biggest thing is is trust. Because if there's not trust, then there's not really real love, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like the love might be something else. It might be lust. It might be them filling a void, right? Like I've talked to a lot of women where they're like, well, we really did love each other, but then sometimes this would happen or that would happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so then you never... It felt like walking on eggshells and you never knew how he was going to be acting that day. And they're like, yeah, that's fairly accurate. So there was no trust then. And then like, well, when you mm. look at it like that, so there wasn't really love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so trust, I think, is obviously super, super important. And not just like trust that like, you know, that the other person's not going to go cheat on the other person, but trust in that like, that there's, that they're there, that they're going to be a partner and they're not going to like pull a 180 and be like, oh, by the way, like, this is what I want in life. And like, that's like, not what you talked about or envisioned together. Uh Um, And aside from that is what I think actually just kind of goes hand in hand is just communication and and like self-awareness, right? Like if you have a partner that just has no awareness of their emotions or other people and kind of only care about them and can't talk about it, then it's going to be really hard. But honestly, I don't think those relationships would necessarily last that long anyways, unless they were just like an obviously toxic, unhealthy, perhaps gaslighting type of of, of relationship. But, you know, I know that there's a lot of like pop psychologists that will say, oh, I can predict if someone's going to divorce or right. whatever. And I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some 
stuff there. But I think that what people want out of their romantic partnership is so unique and different. Like, like people just want and need different things from their romantic partnership. And, um, and so it's impossible or, or even like, who is someone else to say, well, that's not going to last. That's so um, true. Because like, maybe that's just, maybe like, I, I remember um, <laughs> this was probably, gosh, almost 10 years ago, not quite 10 years ago, <laughs> not that old, but probably like eight years ago or so. And we're doing a weekend reunion with a bunch of people from my grad school program. And my ex-boyfriend was going to be there and he was bringing his new girlfriend who, I don't know if she was like, I don't know what her intellect actually was, but she just kind of came across as a ditz or whatever. <laughs> but, the, but like some of the people were saying, well, should we do an intervention? Like, I don't know. Like this is, this is just kind of like weird for him. And he's like really smart and intellectual and he's like an academic and everything. And maybe that's just what he needs. He doesn't need to necessarily get that intellectual stimulation from the romantic partnership. Maybe he gets enough of that through his career or friendships. And I don't know. I didn't really talk to him about it because he's my ex-boyfriend. But And I'm not there to judge that they're not going to make it because they're on different planes. People right. want different things from their partnerships. That's I do true. think it's interesting that we like to assess other people's relationships a lot. Like, because it makes oh. ourselves feel better. Right. right. Yeah. Because we... none. See, I think... I was just having this conversation with somebody yesterday. Nobody's relationship is perfect, you know? And I think sometimes it can seem that way on social media or the way somebody talks, but everybody has their baggage, you know? And so when we think that we found somebody else's baggage, we are like, ooh, yeah, see what's going on there. Because then that makes us feel a little bit better. Yeah. Like our situation. In your relationship, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you are so right. Like, and who's you to say that they need this or they need that? Because they could be balancing those areas of their lives in many different ways. Um, I actually wanted to go back to something you said, like at the very beginning of the conversation. And it was when you said, um, like, you're the common denominator. And I find that that may, do you find that challenging to say to somebody? Because if you're talking to somebody and you're like, okay, here you are. Yes, you're complaining about these men. You're complaining about these situations. But have you ever considered that not saying those men were in the right, you know, if there's a situation that happened, but have you ever thought maybe it's time to look into what's going on with you? And is that a challenging conversation to have with people? And do they have to be ready to go there? Absolutely. So it's a really hard, it's, it's when I often say it, I'll say, I know that's a tough pill to swallow. Like I say it kind of <laughs> jokingly, but it's, but it's true. And um, yeah, like I definitely have been, I mean, the most criticized I've been like online or reply back to newsletters and stuff is like, I'm just so sick of people telling women that they're the problem and that they need a change mm. and blah, blah, blah. And I totally get how what I'm saying can be um, misunderstood as that for sure. Um, however, I also just know, okay, they're just not ready to do this work. Because it's also, well, yes, you're the common denominator in all of your past relationships. It's also not about blame and like, oh, what's wrong with me or something like I'm broken or whatever. Yeah, because, there's like a very fine line. There's a difference right. between saying like, you are the reason things are going wrong. It's not that I feel, but I don't even know how to word it, but I know what you mean. It's like so, you, yeah. yeah, go ahead. You explain. The way, the way that I would, where I think the line pretty much is, is it's not like what's wrong with me, but it's from where am I attracting these relationships? Yeah, and exactly. So, and so like if you're attracting the relationships from this belief that you have to earn your love or that men are how you get your validation, then yeah, you're probably not going to be very happy with who you're attracting. 
But in some level, you are attracting what you need. And so it's just shifting the emotions and the energy around so that you're not attracting from a place of fear, but you're attracting from a place of deep alignment and, and love, really. And so... Yeah, and and so if when I when I hear that, it's I, I understand. I actually did a Facebook or a podcast episode about this because I just wanted to like have an episode to refer people to because I totally get it, and it is hard. Um, but when you're constantly like other people, other people, it's online dating or texting or whatever. I mean, whatever. If you if that's what someone wants to do to make themselves feel better about their love life situation, then like go for it, right? But don't expect anything to change. Um, and this is like true in any sphere of life. If you're just blaming and just want to point your fingers like it feels safe because you don't have to look inside and see what's really going on because like doing this work is hard you know some yes. people have really experienced a lot of pain and trauma in their childhood or in previous relationships so like going back there just seems like the last freaking thing on earth they want to do um and so it's not really that surprising that it just feels easier and people just then desire to want to point and blame to other people or other things Um, But it's not really going to... I mean, then you're getting into victim mindset and that's just not really going to to help anyone. So yes, you're the common denominator, but it doesn't mean you're broken or wrong. It just means, okay, we just need to look at from where you're attracting these relationships. And I think that's an accessible... A, I think it draws that line between the victim and, and... But also I think that it's more accessible. Like, okay, I can see that without Mm -hmm. making myself wrong. I'm curious when you talk about some of those fears and stories that women are telling themselves that maybe are having difficulty attracting the relationships that they want. What are some of those like most common story? I I feel like the validation from men is probably a big one. Like I get my Mm -hmm. self-worth from men. Are there any other common stories that you hear regularly from the women that you work with? Yeah, the most common definitely is people pleasing, basically, and believing that love is earned. And on some, you know, somewhere along the line, they learned that love wasn't conditional and that um, maybe it was just that they only got attention from mom and dad if they made good grades or if they scored a goal mm. in soccer or whatever. Or interesting could, how that's related <laughs> to your love life, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. 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 It could be something like that, or it could be something. That has that stems from you know some sort of emotional or physical abuse, like, and so you've maybe you felt created a belief that okay, if I just try to behave and be quiet and walk on eggshells, then that's not going to set dad or mom off or whatever. Um, and so either way, like obviously those are two very opposite ends of the spectrum, but there's everything in between and be a little bit of both. And so you can you probably created a belief along along the lines that you basically had to give 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 and like be of service and be the certain person in order to receive love. Well, who's going to just be perfect for that? Mm. It's going to be someone with narcissistic tendencies. I don't like just saying narcissist because people throw that word around and it's an actual like DSM, you know, mm-hmm. diagnosis. And so mm-hmm. I'm not in the business of diagnosing, and I do think people use it too much. But I'm just going to say with tendencies. And so someone with narcissistic tendencies is going to really love someone who is just willing to do everything for them and put them and put um, the other person before before them. And so um, that's probably the most common and frustrating like storyline and pattern that I see and and unhooking from the people pleasing tendencies and the belief that you don't have to do anything special in order to receive love or get attention or validation or anything from another person is a really hard thing to unhook from, but it's 100% doable. It just takes a lot of 
inner child work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that another uh, story that I see a lot, and this could relate to relationships, but it also just relates to to life, is like self-sabotage. So you get the good thing and then you self-sabotage it and you either think you don't deserve it or... Yeah, like you just, it, you somehow disconnect yourself from it and ruin something that you thought you had that was good. Have yeah. you noticed that that happens as well? And do you know why that seems to be a big thing in yeah. relationships? Yeah, that definitely happens. I wouldn't say it's the most common, but I definitely have have seen that before. I mean, what would create that? I mean, a lot of different things, but some things that could is, that could that it could stem from is, storylines from childhood of, you know, you can't have everything or you're just being greedy if you want too much, or Mm -hmm. it's bad to have everything. Or if you're happy, then that means someone else isn't happy. Or, and this, I mean, I think this is relatively true with money. Like if you have money, then that means you're taking from someone else. And I think, you know, even if you, like, if you have those beliefs around money, they can definitely transfer to relationships. Like if I have everything, then uh, then that means I'm greedy or bad in some way, or that's just not like what the family story was or the motto or the things that you always heard from your parents was all the time. I think another thing that can create some of the sabotage is almost like sometimes we're, we can be a little addicted to our story and a little addicted to feeling a certain way, even if we at least logically don't want to feel that way. That's and, very true. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, what happened if you were just in a happy relationship? And like, what would you talk about with your friends? What would you think about? And if you feel like you would have nothing, you're like, I don't know who I would be anymore. Yeah. Right? You're so wrapped up around like the stress or the story that you can't have X, Y, Z, then you're going to sabotage because it's a new scary place to be somewhere where you have everything you want. Right. And so, and so I think we tend to keep ourselves safe so that we don't end up like in this basically an identity crisis. Our brain is wired negatively. It's like we like to have problems to solve because it makes us feel busy and it makes us feel like we're doing something worthwhile. So it's like, oh shoot, everything's good. Oh my gosh, what's going to go wrong? Like, what can I do? What can I plan? Sometimes I even find that in my own health stuff is um, I have to catch myself like, don't look for problems, you know? Like stop Mm -hmm. looking for things to fix. You are fine and good just as you are, you know? Yeah, and the brain also just wants to act in autopilot as much as possible. So- if you're used to being in crappy relationships, then even though you don't like it, you kind of know what to do. You know how to handle mm-hmm. yourself. You know what to say. You know how. Yeah. You know your routine for getting you know over the relationship, whether it's like a bunch of wine and Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in a healthy, happy relationship that's like open and emotionally available, and there's conversations and like that's new, your brain's like, oh, this feels kind of like I don't know, it's <laughs> and, and it's going to revert back to what it knows. It takes, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. The brain is totally wired against us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I know this is like, and I hope this isn't too personal, but I know you have a story about how you came to this work, which we kind of like just got into the meat of stuff because we're both really interested in this. <laughs> but I'm curious if you could share more about like what your relationship moment was for you when you were like, I have to turn this around within myself. Like yeah. what was that like yeah. for you personally? Yeah. So in a nutshell, like my pattern, I mean, obviously hindsight 2020 at the time I didn't realize this, but my pattern was that I had a belief that, you know, like I said earlier that I, if I look a certain way, 
then I can have any guy that I want or I can, I'll be happy in love basically. And so I kept attracting non-committal guys who just, um, you know, weren't really that interested in anything serious. And obviously, because there was just a facade, there was nothing underneath. So of course I was just, it was just the mirrors attracting, you know, what I was putting out into the world. And so I think a big turning point, well, not a Think I know <laughs> the big turning point for me was I had just moved to Washington D.C. and I had just finished working on the Obama campaign. Oh, in, that's amazing! Yeah, that's a really <laughs> like really cool, amazing. Yeah, thing this is happens. in 2012, and the way the Obama campaign is set up is that it's pretty cutthroat. Like it's very numbers oriented. Like you know, you had to hit your numbers, and if you didn't hit your numbers like two weeks in a row, you're probably going to be fired. Like it was very like not messing around. Um, It was very cutthroat, but I actually like in some, in some ways I really thrive in that, in that because I'm a very numbers oriented person. And so I did really well and I was gaining a lot of attention within the campaign and I was just feeling like totally on top of the world. Now, on the other hand, I had turned into monster where I wasn't sleeping. I was being mean to people that I cared about. I wasn't talking to anyone you know, that wasn't in the campaign. Part of that was just because of the hours that were required. But anyways, so after the campaign, I moved to Washington, D.C. And I was still kind of riding off that high of like, yeah, I'm awesome. Like, I'm really good at my job and I'm smart and blah, blah, blah. And I think because of that confidence, I had attracted this guy that I was just like super into. And he's like this banker... I'll just, we'll just call him banker dude. And um, he was making a bunch of money and he would take me out and wine and dine me. And it was just so fun. And I was you know, coming off the Obama campaign. So I was unemployed for a little bit and then working in DC. So I was definitely not making the money he was making. And so I just milked it up. Like, I'm like, heck yeah, he's taking me to nice restaurants. You're like, I deserve this. I'm on top of the world. <laughs> I worked hard. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was amazing. And then... Um, I mean, it's a little bit of a longer story, but basically he had a drinking problem and he got drunk not more than once before we were supposed to go on a date. And, um, and so, and so that was obviously problematic. And then the final time he was like, Hey, like I'm, I got too drunk at brunch, really sorry. I don't think I can hang out tonight. And then I didn't hear from him for like three days. And then he sent me an email or I guess we talked and we talked on the phone and basically ended it. And, and like, so I was just completely crushed. And we only dated for, gosh, I mean, the whole thing was probably like a month. It wasn't that long. And I was just, this was this point, it was a couple of weeks after he had broken up with me. And I just could not let this person go. I was just crying and crying, crying, crying. And at this point, this other guy that, because my friend had dragged me out to, to go out to, to a bar with her and this guy there had asked me out and I said yes, because I don't know why, but I did. So I was like actually getting ready for, a date with him. And I was like trying to put mascara on, but I also had mascara running down my face. It was just like a mess. And uh, I was talking to one of my guy friends at the time and he was just basically like, Veronica, you need to get the fuck over yourself. I'm sorry. No, go Say for it. it. Go <laughs> for it. <laughs> We're explicit here at Finding Your Shine. As soon as Nina stopped um, teaching, that E went on our... Yeah, as soon as I was done teaching, we're like, we're explicit podcast now. <laughs> um, yeah, he was just like, yeah, you need to go fuck over yourself. Like, he should have been so lucky to go on a date with you and he couldn't stay sober. And I just... We got off the phone and I was like, my friend is being an asshole. Um, but then I was... But was he really? Maybe he was just speaking the truth and it was like something I needed to hear. And and that's when it just dawned on me that it's like for this whole time I had allowed 
someone or something else to give me the confidence. So at first it was like my success on the Obama campaign. And then it was this guy. And that's kind. that was kind of my turning point where I was like, I'm not willing to live like this anymore. And that was kind of my rock bottom. And that's where I had to heal from. And I used, for me, yoga and meditation were big parts of how I healed that. And uh, I always tell people, especially, you know, those women who are in their mid to late 30s, early 40s, who still really want kids, like this can happen really fast. I met Stevie four months after that. And now we're married. <laughs> wow. So like, this doesn't have to take forever. You know, it's not like, a, like, yes, like personal growth is a lifelong journey, but in terms of like att- starting to track from a different place, like that doesn't have to take a long time to transition. And I, and I, then I do also believe that when two people are feeling really aligned within themselves, relationships can rest, progress pretty quickly. Um, I mean, we were, we were dated for quite a while before I got married, but we had moved across the country together, like, well, we were planning the move less than a year into dating, which is basically like getting married as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving across the country together is like a mega commitment. <laughs> so, you know, it can happen fast. So I, okay. So this makes, leads me to my next question. I feel like there are a lot of women who are very self-aware of the fact that like, I understand what I'm doing. Like, I understand now that this is something within me and I need to dig deep and I have to do all this inner work, but I don't really know where to start. Like, I, I really don't. Like, I get yoga might be helpful. I get meditation might be helpful, but I just feel stuck. And they might even be in this place where they feel kind of like it's so much work to get there and it's not possible. And so what are some like really practical tools you can share for women that are in this situation right now that are aware of where they're at, but they're like, I just don't even know where to begin. Well, first thing is get support, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. getting someone on your team to help you through this because it's totally doable and it's possible and it can happen fast, but to to get support. And, I, and I'm a big fan of not just like reading a book or taking an online course, um, but mm. actually like having someone who can call you on your story or on your bullshit or your BS or whatever. So whether that's a coach or a therapist, you know, if you resonate with a therapist, then I think, or the coach, I think that's that's where I, that's the first thing I would say. But for the DIYers out there, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then finding a community that you can talk about this stuff with, I think is, I just, I mean, the biggest thing is just not being in your head, right? And when you're yeah. trying to psychoanalyze yourself, then you're doing it from intellectual place and you're not really doing the inner work. And especially if you feel like you're the only single one or your friends are all married, or you feel like maybe you do have single friends, but they're kind of at another vibration in terms of like where you are on your growth journey. Having, I think, support, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's like a free or a paid group, um, I think is super helpful and really transformative. Um, but then, like, in terms of like the process, it's inner child work. Like, what's the core belief that you're carrying around about yourself, about relationships, whatever? And then where does that tie back to? Like, what can you relate that to? What does it remind you of? Okay, something from your, when you were five years old or 10 years old or whatever. And then going back and doing that inner child work. And a lot of the inner child work means going back in meditation and talking to inner child, telling her what 
you wish someone had told her or what you would want her to know, giving her love, comfort, support, um, doing the same thing with like writing letters. Mm, uh, I love that tactic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's my favorite. Like writing a yeah. letter to your body or writing a letter to your anxiety. That's something that I tell my clients all the time. Like yeah. let's write a letter to your anxiety and like why that's totally. there or what. Yeah. That's yeah. so important. Yeah. I also recommend having like a picture of yourself from around that age, like on your nightstand or just somewhere you can see it every day, just so you have that daily reminder of sending her love. And then I think a really super practical thing is writing out two lists, like one list of like, okay, what would my inner child do in this situation? So let's just talk about like the dance between getting from the first date to the second date. It's like a huge stressor, right? So, okay. How would inner child handle this based on her beliefs and her feelings and beliefs about her worthiness and blah, blah, blah. And then what would 30 something or 20 something or 40 something, however old you know yourself would do. And then when you're feeling triggered and you want to like go into panic or you want to like text or you need that reassurance, but like, it's really not about him. It's really about you. Then you can look, okay, so I'm getting triggered right now. All right. Do the inner child work. Okay, great. What would now my present day self do? What, like basically like what would myself acting from love do rather than acting from this place of fear or whatever the limiting belief is. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Kind of <laughs> yeah. But like, that's just like general. I love What that. about, um, because I know, and this might just be like Liz's personal trigger, but, and you know, you alluded to it earlier. There's so much out there in media that makes it's just like a fantasy world that a lot of us can never attain with our relationships. Like, it's like boy meets girl, they fall in love, they live happily ever after, but like no one ever shows you like the day-to-day grunt work of like my husband picking up dog crap in the yard. Like no (laughs) one shows that side of marriage or relationships. So what would you, like what do you suggest for people that maybe get triggered by these stories that we've grown up with, like, you know, Beauty and the Beast, or like all these things that we grew up with from day one that was like, this is the progression of things. This is how love works. If you're not following this trajectory, you know, yeah. there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the best thing, and and I definitely can relate to that. I think the best thing is, well, one is, well, okay. You can't like really ignore all of media unless you just like decide exactly. to never watch TV ever yeah. again or a movie. Um, but definitely like letting go of some of the self-help books for sure. Like I tell my clients just to stop reading dating advice books. And it's not that the stuff is good or bad. It's not like a say on that. It's just that like, it's too much. And just because one book didn't work for you, doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just may not be the right information for where you are mm-hmm. right now. And, so, and that can just create a whole triggering tailspin. So in terms of like, you know, the relationship, I think it's really just about having real conversations with people. And, you know, there's a podcast I listen to. It's called Marriage is Funny. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh-huh. Um, it's really good. I highly recommend. Um, I know the, the woman that is like basically a wife and husband and they just jokingly, it's like, they're funny. So it's like a funny show, but they just say they're just airing their dirty laundry. Oh, I love <laughs> with, that. With the mic on. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, and also it's just attracted a community of couples. And um, you can just like, you know, see that you're not perfect. They're not perfect. No one's perfect. And yeah, like sometimes, sometimes like 
you know, depending on our schedule with my schedule or my husband's schedule, like the only thing we talk about in a day is like, well, what was the consistency of our dog's poop? Was it runny? Yeah. Like that might be the only thing we talk about in a day. Um, and you know, so obviously we have to make time to have other conversations, but like, that's not necessarily the day to day that which is like, Oh, it's feeding the beast and the love and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it can definitely feel triggered. I mean, just as a relationship coach, I often like feel pressure of like, I have to be perfect. All the time. Mm, mm-hmm. So right, that's just sure. like my own stuff, obviously that I have to work on letting go of, but I think just seeing other couples and talking about this to other couples and understanding that if you're feeling like this, someone else probably is too. And then if you're dating and looking for a relationship, then I would recommend just letting go of most of the dating advice because you already know what you need to know. It's inside. It's just about healing and unpeeling the layers to get to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you think that women need to take a break sometimes? Like that they're like, you know what? It's time. I'm going to be single for a bit. Like when they're like, this is my time. Do you find that that actually is important? Or like you said, like sometimes it only takes a little bit of time and then you all of a sudden meet who you're supposed yeah. to meet. Like what are what are your views on the whole take some me time and I'm not dating. Yeah. I think that's really important. And especially after a relationship ends. But I think that if you're just constantly feeling triggered, if everything just feels like such a disaster, even though like in the grand scheme of things, okay, fine. The guy didn't text you back. It sucks. It's not a disaster, but you're treating it like a disaster and just feeling like like with every move and everything and dating just feels heavy and hard and just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's probably time to take a break. If you're not even sure what you really want in your relationship or out of love, then yeah, it's time to take a break. If you're not sure how you want to feel in your ideal relationship, definitely time to take a break. If you feel like all you do is date and you don't like live the rest of your life, um, either take a break or pull way back like to a point where it feels scary like maybe just go on one date a month or something like that yeah i think i think taking you know when i started um my business or when i started this this business my relationship coaching i my brand was like date yourself like cuz that's mm. I think that's just a really important and really powerful way to attract in who you want to attract. Because like, if you can't bring yourself to buy yourself flowers, even if you can't bring yourself to like tell yourself you love you or to write yourself a love note or to spend some quality me time, and you think that that there's no value in that, then like, how is someone else going to find value? That just gave me goosebumps. Like that. (laughs) thought just like blew my mind. (laughs) I was going to say, I have this philosophy that that literally is the core to every single problem. Like, and and we keep saying it, like self-love is this buzzword right now, right? Everyone's like, I get it. I got to self-love. Like I got to love myself, blah, blah, blah. But it's true. And when it comes down to it, if you don't value yourself and your own worthiness, how are you supposed to find a relationship? How are you supposed to like land the job you deserve? How are you supposed to get these things in order in your life and love your body, quote unquote, all of these things if you aren't content and feeling fulfilled in who you are, I guess. Yeah. And it's not even really about like, I would say it's not even just like self-love. It's just really the relationship you have with yourself. Yeah. So like if the relationship you have with yourself is kind of negative and you're constantly criticizing yourself or you don't feel like you can treat yourself to anything or you feel like you're not really that lovable or whatever it is, then, well, that's who you're going to attract and that's what mm. a lot of people are going to treat you to. 
Date yourself. Before we wrap up, (laughs) I have a completely unrelated question. (laughs) Like it has nothing to do with anything. So full disclosure. But I, I can't not ask about this dead body situation that's on your website. What? what? That you the what? Like oh, that you oh. hitchhiked? I was like, what? Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> like I can't not ask. I was like, <laughs> I have to ask this question because yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I did not see this dead body situation. Yeah, it's really freaky. So it's actually not that freaky once I tell the story, but well, other parts of it were freaking out the dead body body part. So my my sister was in the Peace Corps in Tanzania, and I went to visit her. Um, gosh, probably like five. Ooh, it'll be six years ago, um, this summer. And we were, well, she was a Peace Corps volunteer. So she had like no money. And I was just, in, or I was just working after the Obama campaign. So I wasn't like flush. So we were just right. traveling really cheaply around Tanzania. And like, it's freaking Tanzania. So it's like, you know, even traveling nicely is not that nice. And so we had taken a bus to get to this town, but... We needed to get to this other town because the next morning we were catching a boat um, to go to this island. And so we needed to get to that other town, you know, that night so we could get there and then wake up and then be at, otherwise we're going to miss the boat because the boat was like really early, like seven or eight in the morning. And so we got stranded in this town, but we needed to get to the other town and all the buses were going by and like nobody would take us. There wasn't enough spots or whatever and they wouldn't let us stand. And so, um, and we were there probably for like a couple hours. And so finally, I don't know if there was somewhere to sleep that night. Like, I don't know what we were going to do if we didn't find anything. Finally, this um, truck stops and it's like one of those like cattle herding trucks, but like it was kind of enclosed in, like there was a big piece of cloth over the top or like not really cloth, but like a tarp type of thing. And um, there is probably about 20 African mamas and African mamas are like, just older women basically um, in Africa. And so they were in the back of the truck. And so Charlotte, my sister was like, well, it's probably pretty safe if they're there. They're not going to do anything crazy around African mamas. I'm like, okay. But they're on their way to a funeral, to a burial, which is why there was a dead body. Oh, and so, man. Oh, man. And, and so we were, um, so we basically just rode in the back of this cattle hurting truck or whatever. And so the really unsafe part was windy roads, mountainy, not great, like like trucks, like tires are definitely old and whatever and unsafe drivers. And um, uh, so all of that, you know, was, that was definitely like the unsafe part in terms of getting to this town. We finally did make it to the town. And then even less safe part was that we just took a random taxi. And in Africa, that's like a big no-no generally. Mm. Um, and so, but there was like four or five of us, so I guess it was going to be okay. I don't know. And the <laughs> random taxi uh, took us to our hotel and it was fine. Um, but yeah, it was... <laughs> that sounds like an adventure. It was an adventure. I just... And I was just so like, I'm too old for this. Like I did a lot of crazy traveling um, when I was in grad school. And then mm-hmm. with this, I was just like, I think this is another part of my life that I'm trying to be done with. <laughs> yeah. You're just saying goodbye to different parts of your life and that was one and then like relationship <laughs> yeah. stuff then later. No, yeah. I'm, I just yeah. like, I saw that and I like had in my head, I was like, oh my God, she got picked up by like 
some crazy yeah, man no. that had just like murdered someone in the truck. <laughs> like I was, I, and how I does can't this tie ask. into the really, I was like, how is this dead body it tying does, into our doesn't. conversation about it relationships? Doesn't. I got so confused, <laughs> but it says, ask me. And I was yeah. like, it's a cliffhanger. It's a good, I have yeah. to know. Yeah. It's a good story, but yeah, it was, it was really scary. Not because of the dead body though, but because of just like driving in the middle of the night. With yeah. This, it's windy roads, African oh roads, God. not that good. Like I was only there for two and a half, three weeks or something. And we saw at least two turned over buses. So like, oh my gosh, you know, that happens pretty frequently in just been a couple of weeks and just the roads I was on. So that would not yeah. have been my favorite night. That's all I'm going to yes, say. That's yeah. not <laughs> on my bucket list for travel places. Yeah. I don't think Tanzania is on there, but yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah, it was, maybe it was an amazing, it was an amazing country. If I went back, um, I would definitely do more of like the luxury style and like of fly to all right. the places. Yeah. Just because like, yeah, the roads aren't safe there. Um, and actually according to Peace Corps policy that at least in Tanzania, they weren't allowed to travel at night. So we're already breaking, well, they were breaking the rules, um, mm-hmm. but we didn't mean to get stuck. It just kind of happened. So, right. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry for the the detour. I just had to. You had to know. It was there. It was a question and it had to be asked. Um, So for any of our listeners that are right now uh, in the dating game or looking for advice, where can they find more information on your coaching resources that they can use to help get them to a place where they want to be as far as, as far as dating goes. And then also like, I feel like this information is helpful even for married couples because it helps you learn more. I mean, it's the same thing. Like you have to also dig into your insecurities because something that is very evident is like you reflect what you don't like in your partner is usually something you are unhealed that is unhealed within yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this information, whether you're dating or married is important regardless. 100%. I can't agree more. Um, yeah, I have people that you know, like in my membership community, like, oh, Veronica got to relationship, so I'm good now. I'm gonna leave, and I'm like, okay, but just so you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna may not be things done. follow you into marriage. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, the best place to connect with me, um, I mean, I'm all about the Instagram. So my name there is Veronica E Grant. You can DM me and share your thoughts, ask questions, things like that there. Um, and then I have a love quiz, which will help you figure out what your block or core limiting belief is. And mm. you can get quiz at veronicagrant.com forward slash quiz. And then that's also... Well, veronicagrant.com is where you can learn more about the ways I work with my clients and check out my podcast, um, which is a Love Life Connection and all of that fun stuff. We didn't awesome. even talk about our mutual podcasting. I feel like there's like still so much more we could chat about. Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> I know. Is your podcast then just essentially your advice on all of these things? Do you inter like how yeah. how do you structure that? So my podcast actually is mostly me bringing on women and I coach them through something through like cool. a question. Hmm. So um, so if people want to get a sense of the style of my coaching or it's just like get really tangible, actionable steps for a lot of... If someone else is asking it, you're probably asking it too. So um, so yeah, that's what mostly my podcast is. I do some solo shows. Sometimes I have guest experts. But for the most part, um, it's just me coaching women on a specific question that they have in their love life. 
Very awesome. cool and also very helpful. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sh- sharing all of this information with us. Um, I can't wait to have our listeners check you out and get some very inspirational help with their dating lives and married lives. <laughs> yes, awesome. Thank you just for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in and making it to the end of the episode. If you are still here, you are a champion. You're our favorite. You are our favorite person <laughs> ever. Uh, just a reminder that you can follow Veronica over on Instagram or on her website, veronicagrant.com, if you want to get coaching advice or to take her quiz. And you can catch us on Instagram as well at Finding Your Shine Podcast or our personal pages at Nourished with Nina and at Liz Garster. So we look forward to continuing the conversation and connection with you guys over on the gram. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next week. Have a good week. 